You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this big Monday show for you, the first episode of the 2024 year. We're going to talk all NFL for most of the podcast, and then at the end, just give you my thoughts on tonight's two college football playoff semifinal games. So we'll get to all that momentarily. First episode of 2024, we started this podcast on the first Monday of 2023, so we've been doing this a year. Thank you all to those who have listened, those who have responded. I really appreciate it. We're going to keep this going. Like I said, I've got some big things lined up in 2024 for this podcast, so keep it right here. As things develop, I'll be able to tell you. Now, so much NFL to talk about after what happened this past weekend And we're going to be spending two or three days on all the things that uh, we can cover. But I do want to cover and probably spend about half this podcast talking about the Cowboys-Lions game from Saturday night because there's a lot of lazy reporting that's going on regarding this. And when people have been talking about this, they're speaking in absolutes. They're speaking in black and white. And the bottom line is there are so many gray areas to everything that happened at the end of that game that people aren't going to give it to you like I'm going to give it to you because I'm going to lay it out there for people that I know people aren't covering it the way they should be. So let's just rewind to this. Everyone's talking about, oh, my God, this guy checked in. The referees are screwed up. He reported as eligible. He totally screwed that up. Lions should have won the game. Okay, that's very, very, that's a very, very lazy take because there's so much more that goes into this. You have to back up to the possession before. So let's start with this. The Dallas Cowboys, after um, an interception, they led the Lions 20-13 to with two minutes and five seconds left in the game. At the time, Detroit had two timeouts left and the two-minute warning. The first play that Dallas ran from the 29-yard line of Detroit was a running play, and it was called tripping on Dallas. So they got sent back to the 44-yard line. But like I said, that pos- that possession started at 2.05 on the clock. So now there's two minutes left on the clock. And we all know what happened. First down takes place right after the two-minute warning. Detroit calls timeout. Second down, for whatever reason, Dallas threw the ball, stopped the clock. It was an incomplete pass. Then Detroit stopped it after the third down play. Dallas kicked a field goal, and now they're up. Sorry, they were up 17-13. Now they're up 20-13. to 13. So now they're up 20-13 to 13 with a minute and 45 left because of that stupid throw and incomplete pass on second down. If Dallas just runs the ball three straight times and Detroit can only use two timeouts at that point, now that's an extra 40 seconds they didn't get on the clock. So now Detroit would have gotten the ball back with about a minute and five left. They ended up getting it back with a minute and 45 left because Dallas – didn't use that extra timeout. So what people are forgetting, and now Dallas fans are saying, well, they missed the call, which if you watch the videos, the referees clearly missed the call on that play because on the tripping play, the tripping call should have been on Detroit. It wasn't on the Dallas Cowboy tight end. He didn't even move his leg. The Detroit Lions player did, but the referee was covered up and he thought it was the Dallas Cowboys player's leg. So, You have to take that now into consideration because you can say, oh, the ref screwed up and screwed the Lions. Well, they actually gave the Lions a call that they shouldn't have gotten before that. However, all that did was, remember that play took place at 2.05. Regardless at the end of that play, 
it was the two-minute warning. Instead of Dallas having first and 25 at the 44, now Dallas has first and 10 at the 15. The bottom line is we don't know what Dallas would have done after that. If Dallas ran it three straight plays like they should have, Detroit could could still only stop it two more times. So they still would have gotten the ball back with 105 down 20 to 13, unless Dallas got a first down or unless Dallas got a touchdown. Now, being at first and 10 at the 14-yard line versus first and 25 at the 44-yard line, very different play calling for Dallas. They might have said, let's go for the kill shot here and let's go up 24-13. Now we know it's over. Or they do three straight running plays. Detroit stops the clock on two of them, and it's 20-13, to 13, and Detroit takes over with a minute and five left. So you have to take that into consideration. But for the sake of argument, let's just say Detroit does what they do, holds Dallas to a field goal, but has 40 seconds less left because Dallas plays it smart and does three running plays and doesn't throw an incomplete pass. Okay? So now you got the same situation. Detroit's down 20-13. to 13. They need a touchdown. They have no timeouts left, but they've only got 105. When they took over in the game on Saturday, they had 145. However, if you look at that drive, Detroit scored with 23 seconds left, which means they scored a touchdown with no timeouts in a minute and 22. In this situation, if all that played out like I just said, they would have had a minute five. So it's not far-fetched to think that Detroit could have gotten down the field and scored a touchdown. So let's take that into consideration. Let's play it out like it did. Detroit scores a touchdown whatever time before the clock ran out. 20 to 19, and they've already decided we're going for two. Now, the whole thing with the referee, the bottom line is the referee did miss the call. 68 went over to the referee, said he's eligible, but the referee said 70 was eligible. You even heard it on the loudspeakers. There's been numerous videos that have been surfacing on the Internet to where you can hear the referee say 70 has been declared eligible. That's on the referee. He screwed it up. 68 was the one that was eligible. 68 was the one that went over there and told him. Number 70 never told him, I want to be eligible this play. Only 68 did. But 70 had been going eligible quite a few times during this during the game. So Brad Allen, the referee, just assumed it was 70 again. His fault. He made a mistake. Now, you have to understand, remember, this was announced by the referee over the loudspeakers, 70 is eligible, which means he told the defense. So you can say, oh, my God, the Lions got screwed. 68 caught the two-point conversion. They should have been up 21-20. Well, wait a second. Back up real quick. The referee announced that 70 was an eligible receiver for the play, Right? which meant that 68, the guy who ended up catching the two-point conversion, wasn't eligible for the play in the Cowboys' minds because it was just announced over the loudspeakers, 70 is eligible. So while you say 68 caught the two-point conversion, that's because Dallas wasn't focusing on him because he was ineligible in their minds because 70 was the one that was announced as eligible. So it's very easy to say, oh my God, referees screwed it up. Well, if if Let's just say the referees got it right. Let's just say Brad Allen heard it correctly. Brad Allen would have said over the loudspeakers, 68 is now eligible, which meant Dallas wouldn't have guarded number 70 on the play, wouldn't have even paid attention to him as going out for a possible pass because he wouldn't have been eligible. They would have known 68 is eligible. 
maybe he wouldn't have been sitting there wide open. So that's why I say everyone's saying it's so black and white. All I'm saying is, no, it isn't. Because if Brad Allen does hear the thing right and does report it correctly, Dallas now knows 68 is eligible. We might need to look out for him sneaking out into the flat, which is exactly what he did. So to sit there and say, oh, the refs screwed the Lions. They screwed it by getting the play up wrong, but you can't say if he got it right that Dallas wouldn't have been like, hey, let's keep our eyes open for 68. He just reported eligible. So I could go on to this game for 20 minutes, but my point being it's not black and white, yet every single talking head on TV today is going to blame the referee for getting it wrong and screwing the Lions and... While he did get the play wrong, you can't say now, after the fact, oh, we know Detroit would have scored. No, you don't. You knew they scored because of what you saw, but what you saw was Dallas not guarding number 68 because he wasn't eligible. Now, where does the actual screw-up by the referee come in play big time? Well, if Detroit... I mean, you can't say it was just because of that play, but if Detroit would have won that game... It's looking like right now the Dallas Cowboys are going to be the two seed in the East and the Lions are going to be the three seed in the uh, in the two seed in the uh, NFC and the Lions are going to be the three seed in the NFC. So if that means if Dallas wins their first round game and Detroit wins their first round game, the both on the wild card weekend, Dallas and Detroit have a rematch in the divisional round and now Dallas gets the home game as opposed to if Detroit would have won yesterday's game and then won this upcoming weekend, they would have hosted Dallas. So that does screw them up a little bit, but again, you can't just put it on the ref because of everything I just explained to you. There were so many other factors in that. You can't just say, yes, Detroit would have won that game if Brad Allen said that was the right number that was eligible because we don't know. Dallas maybe might have paid attention hearing over the loudspeaker 68 is now eligible. So you have to take that into consideration. All you can say now is if Detroit would have won the game somehow, any other way, and they both win their first-round matchups, Detroit would have hosted the divisional game and Dallas would have had to go to Detroit. Now Detroit would have to be looking at a rematch for Dallas in Dallas in round two. I guess the good thing, I guess a positive if you're a Detroit fan looking at that, is you know you can play with Dallas. You literally just played with them the whole game I'd say Detroit dominated more of the game than Dallas did, and we all know what happened at the end. It was a coin flip game of who could have won that game. So if Detroit has to go back to Dallas in two weeks, are they going to be intimidated? Are they going to think that we have no chance to win this game? Absolutely not. You just lost to them by one point two weeks earlier. So clearly, while it's great to have home field advantage in the playoffs, it comes down to who executes better that day. Detroit clearly can play with Dallas, and Dallas can beat Detroit. Detroit can beat Dallas. So while it does suck that Detroit might have been robbed of a possible playoff home game against Dallas, it doesn't mean they can't win. And that's all you got to keep in mind. Just don't pay attention to all the talking heads that say the referees lost the game for the Lions and they took away a victory. Because they didn't. There were so many other factors. Let's talk NFL playoffs now. Uh, obviously, not everything is set. In the NFC, you've basically got six places and six teams that have essentially clinched. And you've got three teams fighting for one spot, for the most part. And basically, you've got San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit, Philly, and the Rams. 
have secured playoff spots, and then whoever the winner of the NFC South is, which we don't know yet, but we know the NFC South winner is going to be a playoff team. So that's six spots. Right now, Green Bay is the seventh seed, Seattle's the eighth seed, and New Orleans is the ninth seed. It is very simple in terms of what's going to happen in the NFC. Maybe not necessarily simple in terms of seeding because weird shit can still happen, but seeing who's playing who, you can kind of lay it out. Let's start in the NFC South. Tampa Bay is 8-8. Eight and eight. New Orleans is 8-8. Eight and eight. The only two teams, well, and Atlanta is 7-9, and nine, yet they have a chance to win the NFC South. Basically, it comes down to this. If Tampa Bay beats Carolina next week in Carolina, they are the NFC South winners, they are the four seed, and they are hosting a playoff game probably against Philly. Now, if Tampa Bay happens to lose to Carolina, the winner of New Orleans-Atlanta then becomes the NFC South champion at 8-9. and nine. Well, if New Orleans wins their 9-8, and eight, Atlanta would win at 8-9 and nine because you'd have three 8-9 and nine teams. Tampa would be 8-9. and nine. New Orleans would be 8-9 and nine, having lost to Atlanta in the, following, the final week. And Atlanta would be 8-9, and, and they would have the tiebreaker over all three. The winner of that, which would be crazy. So, the biggest thing from yesterday in the NFC is the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles controlled their own destiny. All they had to do was beat a three-win Cardinal team and a five-win Giants team to end the season, and they were your NFC East winners. But what did we tell you at the beginning of the year? We told you that for 18 consecutive years... Nobody has repeated as NFC East division champions. Now, it was all there for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles, but maybe we should have taken that into consideration and just been like, well, even though we know Philly's in the driver's seat, why hasn't this happened for 18 years? I guess apparently it's very hard to win the NFC East. Now, all Dallas has to do is beat Washington next week. And they have gone from having to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl to now they're probably going to get two home games. I mean, it's it's unreal. They're going to end up being the two seed. Now, if Dallas loses and Philly wins, then Philly's the two seed. Dallas is the five seed, and they're on the road either at Tampa Bay, New Orleans, or Atlanta, which I don't even think it matters. I mean, yeah, Dallas wants to not have to go to three road games to go to the Super Bowl. Sure. But if they lost to Washington, I still think they're going to win their first-round game because they can win in New Orleans, in Atlanta, and in Tampa Bay. It just means in the round two, they'd be going probably to San Francisco, and you don't want them in round two. So that's where we're at with the NFC. Obviously, Detroit is locked in. They're a, they're a three seed. They can't get up to the two, I don't believe. Obviously, they oh they could get up to the two, but they need Dallas and Philly to both lose. They need to win. It's just it's probably not going to happen. So my guess is you're going to have San Francisco with the bye. They are the number one seed. They've locked it up. Dallas would basically play if Green Bay beats Chicago in the game in the last game uh, on Sunday. Green Bay is your seven seed. So Green Bay would go to Dallas. The Rams would go to Detroit and Philly would go to whoever won the NFC South. Those would be your three NFC matchups. Now, it seems easy to just say Green Bay is going to win their final home game of the season against a Bears team. All Green Bay has to do is win at home against a team that has nothing to play for. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. One year ago. Remember the Sunday night game last year? Green Bay at home 
against the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions had been eliminated from the playoffs earlier in the day. All Green Bay had to do was win, and they were in the playoffs. And what did Detroit do? They went into Green Bay and won the game handily. And I, I think you could say, and that left, that left Detroit winning, I think, seven of their last eight games last year, or eight and two in their last ten. And that built the momentum for what we saw from the Detroit Lions this year, which was, we're going to go out and win the division this year. And they did. So don't tell me that the Chicago Bears, even though they were eliminated from the playoff race last night when Minnesota and Green Bay didn't tie, don't tell me the Chicago Bears, who are 7-9 and nine now and have won four of five, wouldn't love to knock their rivals out of the playoffs. So this is not a given that Green Bay is going to win at home against the Bears on Sunday. But if they do, they're in and they're the seventh seed, and they will get Dallas on the road in round one. The AFC playoff picture is, again, it's, it's pretty much set, but so much can happen with seeding. So much can happen with seeding. I think the weirdest thing about the AFC playoff picture is right now in the AFC South, one of the divisions that at the beginning of the season you would have said the AFC South and the NFC South are the two worst divisions. NFC South has lived up to that billing considering no team is over 500 right now. AFC South? Three teams are 9-7, and seven, yet none of them have clinched a playoff berth. All three teams have a chance to win the division, and all three teams have a chance to possibly not even make the playoffs. So the bottom line comes down to this. Jacksonville's the one in the driver's seat. They are at Tennessee this week. They win at Tennessee. They are the AFC South champion. They finish 10-7. and seven. I win my over bet. And they host a playoff game against the five seed, which is the Cleveland Browns. It'll be Cleveland at Jacksonville round one because Cleveland can't drop to the six and they can't get any higher than five. So if Jacksonville wins at Tennessee, they're the AFC South champions. However, Houston and Indianapolis, both nine and seven, the schedule was released last night. There's two Saturday games. Raven Steelers is in the early Saturday game. Houston at Indianapolis is Saturday night. The winner of that game is in the playoffs because they are sitting at 10 and 7. And it looks like Indy would be the 10 seed or Houston would be or Indy would be the 7 seed or Houston would be the 7 seed if they win that game. If they lose, they would need help. Jacksonville could technically lose to Tennessee and still get in the playoffs, but they would definitely need help as well. So that's the AFC South picture. It's kind of jumbled. We know that Baltimore clinched yesterday. They are the number 1 seed. They drew a bye. The other weird one, and this is the biggest game of the weekend, which is why they moved it to Sunday night, that is Miami-Buffalo. Miami-Buffalo is for the AFC East Division Championship, which is crazy to think of since Miami had a three-game lead at one point. Right now, if right now Miami is the two-seed and Buffalo is the six-seed, if Miami wins, they're the two-seed. If Buffalo wins, Buffalo jumps to the two-seed and Miami drops all the way to the six. But if Miami does win, there's a chance Buffalo still doesn't make the playoffs. There's other things that have to happen, but Buffalo could possibly not make the playoffs at 10-7. and seven. But if they win, they're the, NFC, the AFC East champions, and they're the two seed. Buffalo, the team we wrote off when they were 6-6, six and six, they might finish the season 11-6 and six and be the two seed. So that's the game for Sunday night. That's why it was moved to the Sunday night game because it's really the only game that determines a division winner. Both teams are probably in the playoffs. Miami's already in. They've clinched. 
Buffalo's automatically in if they win the game. And then if they lose, they could still make it in. But I, I there's other things that have to happen. So you got to keep that in mind. Kansas City has locked up the three seed. I don't believe they can move up. Uh, no, they can't move up to the two. So they're locked in at the three seed, and they're either going to get Buffalo or possibly Indianapolis, possibly Pittsburgh, possibly Houston, basically, or Jacksonville. <laughs> it's just it, it's there's too many scenarios that can play out right now in the AFC. But you're basically having like Baltimore's in, Miami's in, Kansas City's in, and Cleveland's in. Four teams are definitely in. And then you've got that whole clusterfuck with the AFC South, Jacksonville, Indian, Houston, all at nine and seven. One of those teams is getting in, so that's five. The winner of Houston, Indianapolis is get is automatically in, so that's six. Really, we're just determining the six and seven, you know, seating and stuff like that. But that's where we're at for both conferences. It's going to be wild. <laughs> There's so many other scenarios, but those are the main ones is that you need to know is the South winners in both the AFC and NFC are really weird because in the NFC, all three teams, New Orleans, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay have a chance to win the NFC South on the last day of the season. And same goes for the AFC South where Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Houston, all nine and seven, all could end up being division champions on the last day of the season. Although I say the last day, last weekend of the season, because Indianapolis home against Houston is the Saturday night game this week. So I know it's confusing. It'll clear itself out the more you hear me talk about it this week. And finally, let's just wrap up with this. You know, I didn't give you any college football bowl plays all season, except on Friday. I said, look, there is zero chance Florida State is even going to touch Georgia. Florida State had 15 or 16 starters of their 22 opt out or go to the portal. And Georgia basically had everybody except for injuries and one guy decided to sit out. And look what happened. They won by 60. Now, you can't say after the fact, oh, the committee got it right because the Florida State team that took the field this weekend was not the Florida State team that would have taken the field if they were voted in into the college football playoffs. So let's throw that argument out. The committee didn't get it right because of the final score of that game. The committee got it right because Florida State wasn't going to beat them anyway, and they shouldn't have been in there based on the quarterback situation that they had. But you can't say it after the fact of a 63-3 to final because that wasn't the full Florida State team that would have played. If they would have made the playoff, they wouldn't have had 16 starters that said, yeah, we don't want to play in the college football playoff. Come on now. So, but I did say it wasn't going to be close, and they won by 60. Uh, that line was up to 20 and a half at kickoff. That line opened at 13, and it went all the way to 20 and a half, and Florida and Georgia still covered by 40. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so tonight, today, we've got our two college football playoff games. We've been waiting a month for them. I'm excited. I think both of these are going to be good games. Could they end up being blowouts since 15 of the 20 college football semifinal games have been double-digit um, victories by somebody? Yeah, it's of course it's possible. But I'm just going to say, you know, you want my plays. I, I, there is some late steam coming in on Michigan. That line has jumped to Michigan minus two and a half. I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I, I see Nick Saban with a month to prepare. I see that Michigan is 38-1 and one the last two years against everybody else. But in the playoffs, they're 0-2. Uh, 
you know, it's just it's just such a it's such a discrepancy of what they look like playing during the regular season versus playing a team from the SEC. I just I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban when he has a month to prepare, and I don't think Michigan has seen um, a team. Not that Alabama is explosive offensively, but they've gotten better and better and better. Remember, they were one and one, and they've won twelve in a row. I just think they're a better team. They're playing better, and I just think that the lack of good teams in the Big Ten and the fact that Michigan played nobody in the non-conference, they played two decent teams all season. They beat Ohio State, and they beat Penn State. And we just saw Penn State get rolled by Ole Miss in the bowl game. So how good is Penn State? So Michigan has one good win on the year. Uh, Alabama plays in the SEC. I'll take that over a Big Ten team in the bowl games because I just don't think they fare well. So give me Alabama plus the two and a half. I really like the Washington team. I love this matchup against Texas. I just think it's going to be a shootout. So I don't really have a lean that I'm going towards in terms of who's going to win this game. Um, I just don't, I don't look at it that way. It's, it's too tough to pick it. Like if you're asking for a play on this, I, if anything, I'd maybe side with the over. I just think this is going to be two teams that can score on the other. And trying to pick a winner is just, you know, a, a coin flip on here. I really I really have a, a lean and a really hard thought process on I think Alabama is the better team and faces better competition than Michigan, so they're more prepared for this. So that's why I'm taking Bama. Texas and Washington, I mean, shit, they played each other in a bowl game last year, and Washington won. Steve Sarkeesian used to be the coach at Washington. Like, there's so many things that I, I don't even know who's got the stronger lean here. Right now, Texas is favored by four. I don't know. I, I wouldn't touch this game in terms of a side. But if you really, really want to bet this game, just hope for a lot of scoring because I think there will be. I think it's just, you know, I could see this 38-34, 38-31, 41-38. I just think a lot of scoring in this game. The one thing that Texas is weak at defensively is in their secondary. And we all know Washington can throw the ball. And they're going to have to throw the ball because I think Texas shuts down Washington's run game. So um, that much throwing in the game means I just think there's going to be scoring. So give me Alabama plus the two and a half, and I'll take the over in Texas and Washington. Those would be two plays that uh, I would give you for tonight. But looking forward to two great college football games. The bowl season has absolutely sucked. We talked about this. Next year it'll be a little bit better because you can have 12 teams where players aren't opting out and going into the transfer portal once the regular season is over because more teams are going to have a chance to participate in the playoff other than four. But we know how much the transfer portal and NIL has affected the bowl season. So these are the four teams where you don't have anybody sitting out or being like, yeah, I'm not going to play. I'm going to save my prospects because I got NFL Combine coming up in six weeks. No, 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 no. These guys are all playing, and so that's why you can actually handicap these games and look at them and be like, okay, who do we actually like? We don't have to worry about who's sitting out and who's not going to play and who transferred or whatever. Four best teams, I think, this year. So, well, <laughs> it's debatable considering Georgia went from one to five on a three-point loss to uh, a team that has won, had won 12 in a row. So, um, But four really good teams – finally get some bowl games. Hey, they might end up blowouts. We don't know. But going into them, I'm excited. I don't 
I don't see a blowout happening, but anything is possible. But give me Alabama and give me the over in Washington, Texas. Enjoy the games tonight. Thank you for sticking with me for a full year of the Sports Daily. Like I said, some stuff coming up this year I'm really excited about. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.